Welcome. It's great to have you all here. Boy, uh, have you had any great any any great ideas lately? If you did, you probably imagined a light bulb above your head. Ding, right? Doesn't everybody? That's what everyone does. But do you ever stop and wonder? Well, what did they imagine before Thomas Edison invented his light bulb? Like, Gas lamp? You know, it's like, it's not quite the same. <laughs> well, it's time to turn it over to someone who's always full of good ideas. It's Dr. John with the Technology Spotlight. You know how it goes when the little bug comes flying by. It doesn't just fly past. Bzzz. It has to come and buzz around your face, right? You know, when you start going like this, and I'm pretty sure maybe they talk to each other or something. They're like, guess what? I got him to hit himself, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but have you ever realized how amazing it is that those little bugs can fly and maneuver that well? Think about it. Your hand's coming at them, and they can get out of the way, and then you hit yourself <laughs> or whatever. But um, it's really quite amazing. And not only that, they're very durable. If you hit the bug, then it goes flying. And a lot of times, it doesn't even hit the ground. It just keeps flying, comes back for another round. Well, uh, wouldn't it be amazing if we could do that on drones, our own little robots? Well, some researchers at MIT have made a drone that flies like a bug. Check this out. So you can see it actually has four sets of wings kind of like our normal drones have four propellers, you know? And uh, it can use that to hover, and it can do some pretty cool things. But first, I wanna take a closer look at those little wings, those actuators. This is a new class of actuator that's quite a bit different than a motor. You'll notice how it has the wings out there. This is one of those sets of wings from that drone. And in the middle, that black thing you see is actually made out of a rubber coated with carbon nanotubes. And then they apply a voltage to that rubber and it contracts and expands. And they can turn the voltage on and off and make the wings actuate back and forth and vibrate. And that's what they're able to produce lift with. It's actually using an electrostatic force when they apply the high voltage to the carbon nanotubes. So let's take a close look at a slow motion video. You can see the rubber contracting when they apply the voltage, and it makes the wings flap back and forth. The amazing part is they can do this at almost 500 times a second with quite a bit of force, enough to be able to create lift. And so this new technology, this new uh, way to create the motion and the lift is what makes this drone so much different than anything uh, that we've seen before. Uh, let's take a look at them putting it to the test. Again, it's flying around, and uh, those wings are quite a bit sturdier than propellers, for example. And even some of the other actuators they've tried, they give it a little bump and uh, give it a hit, whack. Surely it's down now, but it, it actually is just fine, isn't it? And uh, it's actually really agile, too. Here's a flip. Woo! Pretty amazing. Now, this is quite a bit smaller than it probably looks like. It, the whole thing that you see flying there weighs about the same as a bumblebee. So that kind of puts it into perspective of how small this is. Uh, so this is literally like a little bug, isn't it? And it has some really neat applications. But one of the big challenges and hurdles that needs to be overcome is the power source. You might have seen those little wires dangling from it. Those weren't holding it up, but those were powering the little actuators. And the problem is those actuators need high voltage. That doesn't mean they need a lot of power. They're pretty efficient, but they need a high voltage. And our normal batteries that we put in drones are not high enough to power those wings. So that's something that they're going to have to figure out, either a lower voltage version or a high voltage power supply. Uh, but they're working on it. They're even working on a new version that's going to be shaped more like a dragonfly. If it wasn't like a bug already, now it's really going to be like a bug. And uh, they're looking at some interesting applications. One idea is to actually use this as a robotic pollinator. 
if you were to use a normal drone, it'd be like clipping the leaves or the flowers, you know, but this thing could actually get close enough, and if it bumped into it, it would be okay. Uh, a lot like a bumblebee. Bumblebees bump into flowers all the time, and they're just fine, right? Uh, so that's one really interesting application. Uh, another application, since it works in really small places, and it's okay if it bumps into things, they're thinking they could put a little camera on a drone like this and fly it into an aircraft engine while it's off to inspect, to look for cracks. Remember that they have to do this like all the time and they have special cameras they stick in. It's really hard to see everywhere inside the engine without taking it all apart. But you have to inspect every little piece for cracks to make sure that the engine's not gonna fail while it's up at 30,000 feet. So that would be a really neat thing to just fly in to the engine and look around and make sure that everything was perfect. And maybe it might be a really good search and rescue because it could go you know, through the tight spaces and again where it might bump into things but it'll be okay because of the shape. So it's a pretty neat application I think. And um, you know, maybe someday when you hear that buzzing sound, better not swat it until you know whether it's it's one of ours, you know, a, a good bug, right? <laughs> and that's all the tech we have the time for. All right. Now it's time for Breakthrough Moments in Science with Tobias. So when you get a new tool, what do you do with it? And you know, that's up to you. What are you gonna do with this new thing, this new ability? You know, like technology, cool thing. You remember when Google Earth came out? It was like, I mean, we, what did we do? Google Earth comes out and you're like, wait, so you can see anywhere in the world on the computer. You can just go there, yeah. Wow, let me see. Oh, oh, there's my, there's my house. Oh my, honey, come here, look. There's my, you can see my car. There's my car. There's the backyard. Guys, it's right out the door. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, we need to use tools for appropriate things and useful things, okay? So, <clears throat> they can make us more lazy, okay? Um, but tools in science can be game-changing, especially if you can think of clever ways to use them to find out new things. And that's one of the, th the things we're going to be talking about tonight. Um, we're going to jump back to the 1700s to a chemist in France named Antoine Lavoisier. And we, we've talked a little bit about him before and something that he dealt with or was determined to uh, debunk because he didn't think it was true. And that is this idea of phlogiston. And the understanding or the belief at the time was phlogiston was the explanation for mysterious things like fire. What is that? that's going on. I mean, you see this log and it's burning, there's light coming off, there's heat coming off, there's smoke going into the air. Well, scientists at the time had accepted that it's something that's trapped inside the log and it's phlogiston, that's the magical word they gave this, this stuff. And if, if something doesn't burn and give off fire, well then clearly it doesn't have very much phlogiston. Okay, <laughs> this is high in phlogiston, this is not. And it was pretty easy, okay, we're done. We can teach this in school now. Phlogiston, and the, it, it also spread out to other things, like, for example, if you had ore, you could take this ore, and there were certain things that would happen. For example, if you heated the ore with charcoal, the ore, as, as they would say, they would say that the ore gets phlogistonized. Really, the ore is turning into a metal, iron. And their explanation was phlogiston left the coal, just like that. <laughs> it left the charcoal and went into this ore. But it goes further because when that iron metal is sitting there, if it's exposed to air or water, it starts to change and it gets this brownish color on it. Well, that's because the phlogiston's left. And that's what they left behind. It's magical stuff. When it's gone, it's not good. Okay, and that was the understanding. And other things too, copper would change to green if the phlogiston left. That phlogiston, you know? And so Antoine Lavoisier was determined to prove this wrong. And one of the reasons he really didn't think this explanation was true was when he would weigh his experiments. And one of the things that he was very good at doing was document, he was an accountant 
as well, and a lawyer in some cases in, in France. So he w was a great believer in documentation, and he would weigh these things. And one of the things he noticed was when he had this, this metal and then he had it rust and the phlogiston leave, the metal was heavier after the phlogiston was gone. And he, this really bothered him. He told some people about it, and they were like, yeah, we know about that. It's just a thing about phlogiston. I mean, maybe phlogiston is negative, okay? Negative weight, it's a new thing. <laughs> uh, and it really, people just accepted it because other than those little side details, it worked. The explanation did. Well, Antoine Lavoisier starts looking more and more into this, and as he does experiments, he discovers that multiple kinds of substances, when he burns them or it gets them really hot, the substance, when the phlogiston leaves, the substance gets heavier. And he starts to theorize that what if there's something about the air that is being pulled into this substance? And what if the air is actually making it heavier after this reaction of some sort takes place? And so he's trying to figure out what is going on. Is part of the air coming into these materials and doing something to the material to change the weight? He, he, he can see there's a change on his instruments, but what is the change? And he spent two years working on this, trying to figure out what is this air, this, this air change that's going on. He was pretty sure it was in the air. Well, that's when we need to jump over to another place in Europe where there was a, a man named Joseph Priestley. And he was a dabbler. He, he was somebody who loved to just kind of explore things. Um, he was a, a preacher. In fact, um, his church set up a new congregation and said, you're moving here. And so he moved there. And by the church house, there was a brewery where they would make beer. And he loved to come watch and see how it all worked. And he went upstairs. And up in the top floor, above the kegs where they would make this, this drink, he would take two cups and have water in it. I don't know where he thought of this, but he would go bloop, 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 like that. And then it was fizzy. Yeah, and he w is the one who discovered carbonated water. And that's the breakthrough tonight, soda pop. No. <laughs> <laughs> but that is, that's just a really good example of the kind of dabbling he would do. He would just think of things. And, you know, you got to hand it to him. Because of that, he started to discover all kinds of things. And that's where we come back to this air and Antoine Lavoisier. Because... Joseph Priestley had a really ingenious way of capturing gas. And if you look at this, this drawing, look at these tubes or these, these glass uh, chemistry utensils that are in water, and they have water in them. He's turned them upside down in the water. And what he would do is he would burn a substance in an enclosed container with a tube that would run up into the water and up one of those tubes sticking up and that would allow any gas that was pushed out by that burning substance to go up into those chemistry tubes and it would be captured. And so he would use this method to test new airs, as he would term it. And so he would test out different airs and what, okay, so this burns, what's coming off of it? And he would capture it, he would test it. Well, one of the things he tested was this stuff called mercury. And mercury it w um, is a metal, but at room temperature, it's actually liquid. And like a lot of other metals, when it would have its phlogiston leave, okay, it would get a coating on the outside. And the coating was this orangey-red powder stuff. And he wanted to do experiments with that. And it was mercury calx is what they called it. So he takes this powder, and he uses what they called... Uh, it's basically a huge lens, a burning lens. It's like a disc of glass. And they have it on the stand, and you can take, take it into the sunlight and point the sun to this tiny, tiny point and use it to actually light things on fire. And so he shoots this sunlight right onto the mercury calx, and it starts burning. And as it burns, it gives off a gas, he notices. Now, this is supposed to be the stuff that the phlogiston has gone out of, but... Clearly, it's burning, and it's giving off something. And he has it in this setup where it's going to go through the tube and into the water and bubble up into this container where he's got it captured. So now he's got this new air. So what are you going to do with that? Well, how are you going to test it? Um, one of the things he tries doing is he takes a candle, and if you take a candle and you put a jar over it, the candle will go out. So he takes a candle, and he puts a jar over it that's full of this new air, and the candle gets big and it burns 
really excitedly. And that's really interesting. He takes a stick and lights it on fire, and then he blows it out and sticks it up inside the jar, and it catches again and bursts into this big flame. Then he takes it a step further, and he decides, what about if you breathe it in? What if it, what if it was actually breathed in? Honey? No. No. <laughs> no. He got a mouse. Okay. He got a mouse, and he put it in. And he already knew from other experiments he had done is it took about 15 minutes in a jar for his mouse to start showing symptoms of being low on air. And so he has it in this jar with this new gas, and it goes for 15 minutes, it goes for 20 minutes, it goes all the way to a half an hour, and there's no signs of it acting like there's with symptoms. So then he finally decides <clears throat> to try it. And he gets it. No. <laughs> he breathes it in, and he says, it didn't feel different than normal air, but I felt, I felt kind of light and full of energy. And he thought, man, some this might be something people just breathe in for fun. Um, he didn't know what it was. Well, he goes to France, and he's at a dinner with who else is there is Antoine Lavoisier. And he's talking about all these discoveries with this new air. And Antoine is very interested and he starts asking more questions. And Antoine ends up going home and conducting all these experiments, only he's got his paper, his pen, his weights, and everything to document it very meticulously. And he discovers that this is, in fact, a new kind of air. And he releases, he announces it. And he says, and I'm calling it oxygen. And it does this and this and this. He doesn't mention Joseph Priestley in his um, publishings. But he takes it and runs with it. And for the next 15 years, he would discover incredible things about oxygen and things about the way that it interacts with metals. It turns out the, the, what we now call rust on the outside of metal, when it's exposed to water or air, isn't phlogiston leaving. It's actually a reaction going on with oxygen. And because of that, it's actually pulling oxygen out of the air, and it's getting heavier. And Fire is actually mixing with air, it's uh, with air, with oxygen. And it's something that you have to have oxygen to do. And it turns out all four of the elements, as they were termed at the, at the time, earth, air, water, and fire, are all based on building blocks involving oxygen. And he theorized and eventually would prove that it's actually a mixture of oxygen with other things to create what we call the air. It's a mixture of oxygen with something called hydrogen, which he would discover, that makes water. And so it's through mixing these things that we get what we know as air or water or metal or rust. And so this is the beginning of the element ex exploration. But um, he was stuck until somebody else had some tools and did some incredible things. And then he took that and took it to an incredible length. So next time you're just there and those sad thoughts are pushing down on your science. It's like, you can't do it. You, can't. you just say, Jimmy, get out of my room. No. <laughs> you stop, and you just go, you know what? That's a bunch of phlogiston. <laughs> Thank you. All right, and now, introducing Roger Billings. What? <laughs> is that a car? Bruce. Bruce. That, is that Bruce? Yeah, it was Bruce. That's Bruce? Why don't you tell us about Bruce? I got asked if I liked Bruce tonight. And oh, really? Who asked you? You did. Me? <laughs> and I was trying to remember who Bruce was. It was probably in a parallel universe. So me? you, you I don't remember asking him? me this? Bruce? So who is it? Probably that car just ran me over was Bruce. <laughs> oh, oh, the Bruce car. The Brewster. Mm -hmm. Okay, good. The Brewster. Mm -hmm. Good. Um, so you don't want to talk about that. I do How want. about magic? Do you feel like magic tonight? <laughs> I'm going to put these magic cards out here. Okay. Because, you know, you can tell a person's fortune with magic cards. Did you know that? 
You can tell them. I can. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So did you know that she will choose the card that best predicts her fortune? That's how it works. Oh dear. It's science. Okay. So you should you shouldn't just go for one. You should just kind of take just your time. My eyes and yeah. Uh, <laughs> Knock them all off. Yeah, maybe you better just, you know, but just just you know, use feeling. Use your fingers and just kind of feel like that. And then there's gonna be one that you're gonna be drawn to, so just pull that one over your way. Okay? Okay. Could be anyone you want. No, no, go ahead, you choose. No, it's, you your, it's, your, no, it's your future. You take the one you choose. I don't care which one you take. Okay, go ahead. You know, we're burning daylight here. No. It was supposed to be this. Have you changed your mind? You're going to go for that one then? Okay, sure. So I take these away, you can't change your mind. You're going to go with that one. Uh -huh. oh boy, you walked right into that, didn't you? <laughs> okay, good. I usually do. So, we'd now like to take uh, just a minute to tell you about uh, neighbors and about, uh, you know, how the community's developing. We're just one month from being officially ready to launch. That's true. We're getting more and more things on there. We're having a lot of fun. Uh, Peugeot's spending more and more time, which is good, by the way. If you would like to uh, see what she does in her spare off, Okay, this isn't actually her spare time, My is spare it? Office. Yeah, yeah. We we had a spare office. <laughs> Would you like to see what she does in her spare time? Okay, uh -huh. you like to see things. They like we like to go places. We do. So what we if do. we went on a little outing, a little adventure? Because we've been promising that as soon as we could, we would show you the new office building for Gold Key. Right. Would you like to see that? Okay, we're going to go on a real quick tour here, and we're going to find out what she does in her spare time. That means when she's working. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Look at that building. Yes, yes. Whoa. Look at that walk. Let's see if Dr. Beijing is on run this way. Here we go. <laughs> wonder about this kind of door. The reason you have a rotary door is so that you can come in without letting a burst of cold or hot air in, which is kind of nice. So this is the lobby of the Cybersecurity Center. Over here on the left is where we're going to put the brand new headquarters for the Gold Bank, which is a project that I'm working on. We'll go up the elevator in just a minute to show you the 10th floor, which is where the new office is. But over here, we're building a Starbucks. Yeah, yeah, come on in. We'll show you what the Starbucks is like. This is exciting. Oh, it's coming. All right, come on in, guys. As you can see, we don't have it all finished yet. This is going to be where <clears throat> you should be over here serving. Oh, I should be. I should be over here serving. So we're over here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what would you like? Look, there's even well, some money there's here. Money, it's just there's a bunch of money. So this will be money. a uh, a Starbucks that also serves some food for our guests and for our employees. Out here we'll have the tables where people can sit and eat. We've got glass all the way around, and this is going to be done in about a week. So wow. it's pretty exciting. In three weeks. Uh, Starbucks is actually coming to train our people on how to run all the Starbucks equipment. So that's neat. It's kind of fun. And then out here, let's go up the elevator. Okay. And a brand new elevator indoors. New wood panels, new everything. Yes, yes, yes. When you get up to the 10th floor, you have to unlock it. And the no slip. Gold key. Oh. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. On our way. It's the tallest building in Black County. Yes, it is. And it's also my favorite building. Yes. It's so here we are, the Gold Key World Headquarters. Please, come on in.
This is the reception area for Cybersecurity Corporation. As you can see, it's, it's something we're pretty proud of. And uh, someone wants the elevator. They do. Come on over here, let me show you. Let's just pretend, uh, Dr. Page, that you just got hired as the new receptionist. Oh, I can be that. Yeah. I can be a receptionist. Okay, so uh, Dr. John, I'll come over here and uh, sign you in. Yes, we'd like to see uh, the office of Dr. John, please. Okay, let's go see yeah, it. Let's go see it. Okay, good. So we'll go look at his office. But, uh, this is what I call the gravity table. And if you look at it, there's nothing holding up this side. Uh, of course, it's being held on the other side, but I just think it's, it's kind of neat. We need to be here. It's neat art. This is the executive conference room. This is where the big meetings happen? Yeah, this is where the big shooters come in and uh -huh. have the big meetings. And this is is a actual stone granite uh, table, which is beautiful. Wow. It is beautiful. Yeah, we're pretty excited. Has lots of plugs and buttons so that we can plug in computers and charge things. There you go. Yeah, you got it. That's amazing right. view. And it does have amazing view out the window from the tenth floor. You can see a long way. So come on. Come on. <clears throat> I have to show you my, my favorite piece of art. This is a piece done by a, a wonderful American artist named Mr. Chesterfield up in Minnesota. And you'll notice these are two American eagles. Uh, fascinating. The white head is done with real silver and the claws are done with real gold, wow. which is very beautiful. And you see this particular eagle has a rainbow trout in his claws, uh -huh. and this uh, eagle is saying, no, that was my fish. <laughs> and so in the air, they're kind of uh, working out their their differences, and you see the water down below. It's a beautiful piece of art, and we're really grateful to have it here. It's really heavy, isn't it? Yeah, it is like really heavy. Pounds. It's really pretty, too. Yeah, okay, pretty. so... If you go that way, well, we'll go that way in a minute and let you see it. But let's go down and see if we can yeah. find John's uh -huh. new office. I want to see that. I haven't yeah. seen it. It's, uh, it's new. Yeah, but in process. Yeah. And this, if, if your smellers turn on the camera, there's the <laughs> smell of really, really fresh construction. So this is the... Uh, a lot of the engineering offices for the programmers and the guys that are going to protect everybody's security of all of our customers. Wow. Over in the corner office. Dun, 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 dun. Here's Johnny. Here's Johnny. So this is the Johnny suite. This is still working on the furniture and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Virtual furniture. And you notice that he's got a view uh -huh. right out over the Kansas City Airport. Uh, Amazing view. There it is. And if you look down the street, you might be able to make out the Billings Tower, which is the Acellus building. And you oh. can see the little Acellus logo right on top there. So we are eye and eye contact. You can see how close that is. <laughs> Next door is the Marriott Hotel. And behind that building, in fact, the, the Billings Tower is right between two Hilton hotels. The Hilton Garden Inn on this side and, and the airport Hilton on the other side. So this is a really, really nice spot to be located. Yeah. Okay, you should get some furniture. Yeah, it's coming. It's coming. Okay, well let's go on back out and okay. we'll go back through the lobby. So this whole part of the 10th floor will be ready for occupancy by the end of this week. Wow. You see they're just finishing up. That's impressive. Did you tell them about these beautiful metallic baseboards? I didn't tell them. I did not Whose tell idea them. is that? That would be my idea. I wanted metal baseboards because I thought it looked really neat. And they did. So, so pretend you like it. <laughs> Please pretend hard. Like okay, so we're going back out in the lobby. Now just turn around and look the other direction, past the elevators. And can you see the door way down on the other end? Well, What's behind that door? That's where we're going to go. The secret. Discover. Okay. okay. These are the restrooms. 
This is the executive wing, and if you look way down the end, you can see another gold key logo on the door. Uh, and this is the place. This looks so busy. Okay, but come in here. I want to show you this. Ah, long last. So is this? This the is the finished office. First of all, I'd like. Introduce you to the tree. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's my friend. And the only thing that's missing is right here. We have a, a couch and a, a love seat so that we can have really up close conversations. Over here is my dear friend and telescope. Um, this is a pretty nice unit that has two eyes, so you can see and. Turns out that if you look way in the distance, yeah, right there, you can see downtown Kansas City. Uh, we're about uh, 15 miles from, from downtown, so it gives us a real nice view out this window. You can also see these other beautiful buildings here in this, this office park. Of course, my pride and joy, this is the builder desk. This desk is made out of this special wood. You know what kind of wood it is? Uh-huh. What it's is teak wood. What can you tell us about teak wood? Teak wood, um, well, this is extremely heavy, and it's very, very durable, and it's gorgeous. Yes, you can see all yeah, the design. Yeah. I mean, you can see the wood grain in there. It's just different So shapes. my mentor, Bill Lear, designed this desk. Amazing. and uh, had it custom made for him and when I was being mentored by him this chair right here was reserved for me at the meetings that he did in his office so I just, if I sat here yeah, if you sit here then you'd be me oh I can't be you but I can look, sit look here look how smart you did just sitting oh, in the chair doesn't this feel good and it's really interesting but the leather on here is is elephant yeah, okay. um, like you can feel a very, very precious, beautiful animal, yeah. and uh, it, it just—it's a very unique desk. So um, when I'm... when I sit here and John, <laughs> Dr. John, take the chair, the so I can actually have a meeting with six people, and we can all look eye to eye, and I can see if you're communicating with me. It's interesting, we communicate a lot with our eyes. I love this desk. And remember my story, I was trying to figure out what desk would be right here. Mm -hmm. And I got this idea of how about a half circle desk? Right. Because then I could be in the middle and I could see everyone. Yep. And I thought I'd made an invention. And then I went on eBay and found this desk. And I, that's it, that's it, that's what I want. And I look up the top and it's this desk of William P. Lear. Yes. And then all of a sudden, I realized I hadn't invented it. I'd sat at it many, many years ago. But to find that, I mean, that's... It's really that's special. Just, it feels really, really <laughs> unique that, that this desk found it's its way here. But I feel like it's a good omen of energy in this office and maybe this heritage will continue on now this cordenza matches and it goes with the desk and you'll notice uh, that I have the uh, model of the Learjet right here which uh, again is very appropriate Bill Lear invented many things but this is one that remains very popular even to this day and I just think it's a thrill to have the Bill Lear office with the, the Learjet now, if we go on over here, you can see there's the other side of this office, and this is the largest, most detailed globe that uh, they claim exists anywhere in the world. It is gorgeous. And it has over 10,000 locations that are labeled on it, and I just love to look and see where everybody is dwelling. Yeah, isn't that special? It is amazing. Mm -hmm. 
And behind the globe, you can see my view of the Kansas City Airport. And I can see the Acellus uh, building, so I keep an eye on things down there while I'm here. And it's just a, it's a really, really beautiful, beautiful place. We're actually planning to get a hangar. We're actually building a hangar at the airport. We haven't started yet, but mm -hmm. we just negotiated for the uh, location yesterday. And we're also going to build our new Gold Key factory right here at the airport. So uh, it's all kind of fun. This is the, uh, uh, I call it my whiteboard because I can write at my desk and it shows here so that when we're having a meeting, we can share notes and videos and things like that. So what do you think, John? It's really amazing. Yeah. I love but the desk. <laughs> as good as this is, it gets better. That's it. <laughs> Would, would you like to see better? It doesn't Come get on. better. No, I gotta I'm show you sure. better. Let's go right in, out here. I think it's in process. I think and it's... I want to show you how it's better. So this is this is my office, and this is where things do happen. Actually, I, I sometimes may not look like I'm doing that, things, but I am. You know that could be available. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. So what I do here, obviously, I do many things. But I. We probably don't need to know about some of them. I won't tell you some of them, but some of them I do. Obviously, you know, foo foo. And then I work on neighbors here. And sometimes some of the students send me things like butterfly pictures. And uh, she, this particular one, is working on a science fair project and she's hoping to win a prize. She put it on the back side, but she wants to win. And then um, I'm going to put it on my neighbor's page. So I do, I do things here. And so I get inspiration. I have an amazing view of the airport as well. So can I'm you, sitting here. Can you tell us what's wrong with this table? There's, that table is perfect. Well, that, this one's a U and that one's an upside down U. I know, you oh. know, it's unique like me. It is unique like me. You're <laughs> and upside I, down. And I like it. Sometimes I am upside okay, down. Okay, well. But this is. We, we like it too. It is, and obviously it's the blue morpho, which is a real, real butterfly. And your rings are a little bit crooked too. They are, you know why? That's, that's, that's hard. That's hard. So, okay. this, is, this is where I hang out. Are you comfortable here? I'm very comfortable here. We want to ask you what's in the gold. It, it, that, the that's the treasure box. Right? Yeah, that's my treasure box. Okay. I don't think much work gets done I did not know you said So that. did I mention <laughs> <coughs> Did I mention that um, we've heard from a very special fan of Dr. Peje Monet's. Um, we knew that there were fans in many states and many countries, many conditions. Yes. Yes, and, but this fan is a brand new one. In fact, this particular fan does not breathe oxygen. That would really throw off Toby's thing, wouldn't it? Anyway, this, per, this particular uh, fan lives off of these vents, these mineral vents at the bottom of the ocean. And these mineral vents have minerals come out and bacteria eat the minerals and then this fan eats the bacteria and lives 8,000 feet below the ocean. And it's my fan. And he's a fan. <laughs> and you know, uh, it's really not very hard to tell that it's her fan. And the way you can tell is just, I mean, it shows in this fan's countenance. You know what I mean? You can always tell you're a fan, so it just, Shows. Just shows? Yeah. I didn't know that. Can we show him? Okay. Okay. Your program. Bring up Bruce. We want to show him a picture of Bruce. Oh. There he is. <laughs> <laughs> now that look, that gives it away, doesn't it? This, this is not out. an animation. This is an actual photograph of a fan named Bruce who lives at the bottom of the ocean. 
Yeah. And he contacted And, and if you look at that picture, you know, it's a very small fan, but it, it's actually a type of worm. But you know, when it comes to fans, you take what you can get. Right? <laughs> that's true. Okay, good. Got them all. Yeah, I, I just thought they we might see that. We say thank you. That, oh, so, that's Bruce. Okay. It's probably time now to get back to the prediction of the future. So earlier, for those that just came in, we spread out several cards on the table. Like five. Then, with our hands, <laughs> be more specific, her hands. We went over the cards. We picked out the one that would be most descriptive. And will you please show us your card? <laughs> please, please, please. It's Bruce. <laughs> I'll do a boost bump, boost bump. It's cool. All right. Wow, that, yeah. that just kind of goes right to my so heart. So what's the point? The point is tonight, or today, depending on where, where people are, at this moment as, uh -huh. as Earth revolves, we are becoming very interested in microscopes. Yes. Microscopes. So if you take a piece of glass and shave it into the shape of a lens where it's thin on the outsides and gets fatter in the middle, you can use it to magnify things. And if you put multiple lenses on top of each other, you can get super magnification. In fact, the magnification multiplies. And if you put these little thing to hold the lenses, it's called a microscope. And with microscopes, we can see very, very, very small things. When I was in the third grade, which is elementary school for some of you that aren't familiar with math, uh, I set several goals that I wanted to achieve in my lifetime. And you know, I already knew I wanted to be a scientist. So some of my goals were uh, perhaps a little bit off the edge, but they were all science related. One of my goals was someday I want to walk on the moon. That's a goal? No, some of you think, well, that's a crazy goal. And I remember when I was in the third grade, no one had been to the moon yet, except for the man that lives there. So <laughs> it was kind of a big goal. Yeah. Now, now people are saying, well, I want to walk on Mars. No, nah, it's just the moon. I have not done that yet, <laughs> but you know, I'm still kind of looking forward to it. But one of my other goals, and the one other one that I've never been able to do, is I wanted to see an atom. Now you say, well, you can see all these atoms. I can see the mass effect of the atoms. I just want to see what an atom looks like. And in the third grade, I studied about atoms, and I knew they were these small little building blocks of the universe. But I, I really wanted to see the atom. In order to see things that are very, very small, the microscope was invented. And if you haven't looked through a microscope, you need to. And I want to show you some more microscope things. In fact, I'm hoping that by talking about Bruce and, and these very small creatures in the ocean, that Dr. Monet will bring her microscope to show us. She loves looking at I things do. in microscopes. Absolutely. And she looks at really creepy things. That it, <laughs> no, but they actually turn out to be very ordinary things. Uh -huh. But when you look at them way, way magnified, they, they're interesting, aren't yeah. they? Well, coming back to a microscope then, a microscope can let us see things that we would have never imagined. And they keep making microscopes more and more powerful. As they make stronger lenses so that it magnifies more, it starts to be hard to see things because the light, as it's spread out so you can see it, gets dimmer. And the more you magnify it, the dimmer it gets. So they put brighter lights on and brighter lights. They have to keep doing things to make it bright enough to see. And finally, we got down to the very limits of what you can see with a microscope. I want to have you pick up your Bruce card, if you would. Okay. And I would like to do... May, may I hold that for just a minute? Never mind. I'll use one of mine. <laughs> Do they all say Bruce? No. I can't see. Well, those are all for me. <laughs> all I can say is you chose well. Okay, would you please hold this card here? Uh -huh. 
Thank you. You're doing very well, by the way. Thank you. I mean, you're doing your best, and that's all I can ask. I'm doing well. Okay. <laughs> now remember, we learned that light is a wave. Uh-huh. It's a photons going in a wave pattern. And how fast the wave goes up and down, whether it's very small or it's longer wave, is what determines the color of the light. So green, blue, red, it's all just a different wavelength of how fast it changes. Well, think about it from this point of view. If I'm going to use a microscope and I keep magnifying bigger and bigger and bigger, okay. pretty soon I'm looking at an object that is so small that light is kind of going around it, the waves. And when you get down that small, a microscope can't see anymore because literally what you're seeing is smaller than the waves, so it can't pick it up. Now that's very, very, very small. But that's what you're going to have to have to be able to see an atom, to see something even nearly as small as an atom. And so that's when we had a major breakthrough when they invented not the light microscope, but they invented the electron microscope. Have you heard of those before? Mm -hmm. In an electron microscope, instead of using light, you just shoot electrons, electron beams. And the electron beams allow us to look at things much smaller. And electron microscopes are truly, truly amazing. Okay. <laughs> you knew I wasn't going to get Two it. years <laughs> ago, she's going to give me a hard time. Two years ago, a group of scientists were able to actually see an atom. And we've kind of been seeing atoms a little bit for the last little while. Uh, I'd like to show you a photograph of a bunch of platinum atoms. And wouldn't it be interesting if we could zoom in tight enough? Do we have that pulled up? We don't have that. All right, let me, let me show you one atom. This is actually pretty spectacular. Good catch. Okay, go ahead. Here it is. Here, see the, the sample in the middle? And this is an atom being suspended in a very strong magnetic field. And now let's go in and look at the image of the atom. We didn't get the image of the atom. Can we bring it up? I, I don't know if we're going to be able to bring that up, but I'd like to uh, at least describe it, and hopefully she'll be able to get that for us. It's just like 10 seconds after. Okay? But an atom is actually a nucleus with electrons going around it. And so if you were going to have a microscope to be able to look at an atom, which is these little electrons that are extremely small. When school with, whoop, hold it. With a very, 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 my turn, a very, very small nucleus, what would it look like anyway? And, and there's some interesting things to think about as you start getting down to the small in nature. If you took a, uh, an atom, and let's say the atom was, was enlarged so much so that one atom was the size of a football field. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine an atom being blown up that big? Then the nucleus would be a tiny speck. Oh, wow. And what is in the rest of that big atom? Nothing. There's some electrons shooting around. They're even smaller than the nucleus. But the nucleus is extremely, extremely, extremely small. And so if you think about this piece of stainless steel, for example, it's made of atoms. And there's really nothing there. But there is. We can fill it. And I think it's kind of interesting to, to think about this for a minute. Um, why can we fill it if it's just holes? It's just empty space. And you can kind of get an idea of the answer if you take two magnets and turn them so they oppose each other, and you push them together, and you can start fill the pushback. And that's kind of like these atoms in, in the lattices pushing back. But they're a very, very empty thing. It's a lot of empty space, which is really fascinating when you think about it. Now, the way... They took a picture of this image, which I'm finally going to show you in just a minute. Oh, there it is. 
is they shot this single atom with a very powerful laser. And the laser caused the electrons to absorb energy. And as they absorbed energy, they went into a, a wider orbital. And then they gave off photons of light. And you can see the light coming from places where the electrons were. And you see that glow? That's all the different places the electrons are emitting light. And so we actually are looking at a single atom. That's amazing. And I think it's kind of interesting. We can also see the uh, imagery coming off the nucleus in the center. The nucleus now is kind of shaped in an in interesting shape. It's almost like pieces of liquid in the middle. But, you know, we can't really quite say that because it's so small that light waves can't reveal it to us. So it's, it's exciting to see that things like this are able to come to pass. We can see individual atoms, but we've got to remember that individual atoms are teeny, teeny, teeny little nucleus with these electrons floating around. And now... As science marches on, we started to find out what the nucleus is made of. And it's made of quarks and all these little subatomic pieces. And it's, it's an adventure that just goes on and on and on. And I think it's very exciting. It's, Don't you think it is? It's amazing. It is amazing, it's yeah. Amazing. Uh, and, and Bruce is amazed, too. Can I, we, I love can all we my friends. look at Bruce one more yes. time? I mean, uh, it's just really yeah. I mean, come on. I love my fans. So, so this little guy, or this little person. It's a guy. Okay. Anyway, he lives in the bottom of the Pacific Ocean down by a deep vent about eight miles down, and he eats these little bacteria that are made out of minerals without any light. There's no light down that far. And if you think about it, uh, this is a, a process of getting energy from the, the minerals. So this is a real thing. This, th that's actually a real thing. Mm -hmm. And it's very small. You need a microscope to see it. And he contacted you? No, uh, he's not my fan. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do have. I didn't tell you though. <laughs> I, I don't really have a fan. I keep certain things. But I have <laughs> what I'll call an associate. You have an associate. Mm -hmm. I have a bear associate. A bear. Yeah. A, a bear. You know, like, like a, a B E A R. Bear. Yeah, like a B E A R bear. Uh, yeah, do you want to hear the backstory? I do. Okay. So, see, here's here's the story on the bear. This bear is a creature that is amazing. Uh, again, very small. If you want to really get a good look at him. You need a very good lens. Not as small as, he's a bear. as Bruce, but he's a, a bear. A very, very small bear. But this particular bear can withstand extremely cold temperatures. Temperatures so cold that air would turn into liquid, and wow. he can survive it. That's, that's and you can pull him out and drop him in a pan of boiling water. That'd be cool. Like steam sterilizer. Wouldn't hurt him. Wow. Yeah. This, is this another true thing? <laughs> okay, I'm listening. I'm, I'm following the backstory. Sorry. I didn't attack your fan. <laughs> this is my associate. So anyway, so this little bear can also take incredible pressure. I mean, a, a truck full of concrete could drive over him, and he would be okay. Pretty neat. Oh, associate. pretty tough little bear. Yeah. Did you know that he can live 30 years without oxygen or without eating? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. He can survive in outer space where there's radiation. It's just a vacuum. And he can live through it. Wow. Yeah. Yours is pretty good. This is my associate. <laughs> Would you like to see a picture of him? I would love to see a picture okay. of a bear. Okay, bring up the bear. And oh. there he is. Doesn't that look like a bear? It does. Yeah, he actually is called a sea bear. And this little teeny tiny guy really is capable of doing everything I just said. Survive like sub, sub, sub freezing temperatures. Wow. 
He can survive at the deepest depth of the ocean and pressure six times that. He, when, when he is put into a very, very dry situation, he does an interesting thing. He's a, he's a little kind of worm critter, but he pulls his head in and contracts into a little ball and he pushes all the water out of his body and that's how he can remain dormant for 30 years. He goes into kind of a hibernation state. You know, bears hibernate. Kind of like a spice worm. It's a special thing. And then comes back. That's amazing. And it just shows that uh, no matter how harsh things get, if you have the right attitude, you can barely get by. <laughs> You're so clever. Mm -hmm. But he really can't. I, like I, I want to see him amazing. again. Let's take another look. Now this is where he's kind of puffing in a little bit. I think I have another angle where he's puffing out. There he is. Okay, that's the same little guy. And he lives in the Atlantic Ocean. And uh, just really fascinating. They call him a water bear. Wow. And I think that he's an inspiration to us all. We need to be that tough and that resilient. We, we have times uh, in each of our science fair projects and lives where things get a little tough. We do. Yeah. yeah. But if this little guy can survive all of that, then I'm sure we can push through it. Don't you think so? Yeah. So I would like to inaugurate microscope season. Oh, how fun. Yeah. I, how fun. I, I just think we need to look at some things in the world of the very small. Would you like to do it. that? Absolutely. So that will be an adventure that we will do. And these are samples of little creatures of a very, very small size. It's amazing that microscope technology is where it is today, and we're going to look at it. So we have a microscope that Dr. Peget will be showing you, mm -hmm. and then I may have one too. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling mine's yours is bigger. better and bigger. <laughs> mine's blue. Yours is blue. Mine's, mine's blue. Okay, so I'd like to welcome you all back. Thank you for showing us your lipstick desk, and your, I mean your office. You know, a lot of the kids like it. Do they? Yes, they love my office. Uh -huh. You mean Bruce? <laughs> Bruce. They want to know how they can send me things. Yeah, well, I, I do want them to know that uh, Neighbors is starting to, to catch its second wind. There's a lot of things in Neighbors that are just starting to come out, and so there'll be a lot of surprises for a while. But the ideas of what you'll be able to do in Neighbors is pretty exciting. Some of you notice we have it tied down real tight so that you're in little teeny boxes. And that's kind of a precaution while we're, we're getting it all worked out. But we're starting to take some of the boxes off, so you're gonna start finding that you're able to reach out further and communicate more. And right now, we're limited just to Acellus Academy. We're planning, though, in, in the very near future to open it up to Power Homeschool, which has a lot more uh, students on it. And then eventually we plan to open it to all the Acela students. And now you're talking about a huge community of the most wonderful people on planet Earth and their parents. That's okay? Right. So uh, if you haven't taken a chance to look at Neighbors, you can find it at the website of neighbors.acellus.com and you can sign in with your Acellus sign in mm -hmm. or if you're a parent you can sign in with your parent sign in yep. your goal key uh, but take a look around keep feeding the ideas I have received hundreds and hundreds of ideas <laughs> and I'm getting more ideas now on neighbors which I like getting them there it's one of my favorite places to go look and a lot of those ideas have already been added to Neighbors. So uh, I haven't been able to respond to everybody. I figure rather than me responding, what you'd like me to do is go get it done. <laughs> so we are doing it. And uh, it's going to be a really wonderful, fun thing. Again, I like to have it be a place that you can share your science, where you can ask questions, like if you're working on your science project and, and you need some help, place you can put questions there uh, we have a lot of wonderful teachers that are trying to respond uh, as quickly as they can according to the priorities and the needs of students but it turns out that we have a wonderful group of parents that are 
very technical in some cases, scientists themselves. So I'm hoping we can get a lot of sharing of ideas and answers. We're going to have a wonderful science fair slash robot contest coming up soon. And I hope you're all doing that. Okay. Would you like to maybe give a little shout out to Bruce before we finish up? I like Bruce. I was wondering if I could have the rest of those cards. Here's yeah, a picture too. of Bruce. This is, yeah, this is my yeah. souvenir. I was wanting all of them. And That's how much I like Bruce. These, these cards I'm, I'm kind of saving. <laughs> Thank you. See you next time. <laughs> <laughs> you